Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, Jean. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Ferocious. Yay! Welcome. Hello. <laughs> she became God. <laughs> that was amazing. Was that on purpose? Yes. That's amazing. Ferocia, mm-hmm. who are you? What do you do? Oh my gosh. That's listen, that's a loaded question. I, I gotta know. get out of here. Apparently you're a god, so <laughs> this is this interview is over. No, I'm a storyboard artist. I have worked on the Ben 10 reboot from 2016, and now I am on Amphibia, which is the best. Yeah, you you like you like frogs. Would you would you say that, would you say that you like frogs? Oh, I don't know about that. Because no. like because like eighty percent of the prompts we got were about frogs. <laughs> That's because uh, there's good people. They they know they That's know true. what's up. People know you. People know you're all about the frogs. I gave you a custom frog uh, intro. <gasps> I know. I heard. Yeah. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to set the got to set the scene. Mm. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me, you know? Yeah, of course. Tell us about uh Baby Ferocia and uh kind of your early like start drawing and getting into art. Okay. Well, hang on. Let me search my inner self. Yeah. <laughs> look look deep. Wow. Oh, uh, okay. So my younger self says I've wanted to do animation since I was a wee bab. So mm-hmm. typical answer, been drawing since I could hold a crayon or pen. Mm-hmm. But none of that really matters. It's just, I just love cartoons and I wanted to do cartoons since I was a wee bab. And oh man, I... Like, one of my first experiences, I guess, with uh, industry stuff was the Powerpuff Girls. I don't know if anyone remembers, but it was, it, they had this contest for, what, what was it? It was the movie. And they were oh, like, yeah. oh, if you, if you do this, you could have your picture in the movie. And I was like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I kind of remember so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that and didn't get in and i was very upset <laughs> right but after seeing the movie it it, it makes sense mm-hmm. cuz they kind of wanted more of like a super like kitty kid style mm. and yeah i wish that i had seen that movie in theaters but i was uh driven by the patriarchy to i was ashamed to to go see the powerpuff girls movie as a little boy and i mm. regret it every day to this to this day mm. should have just gone and see it yeah it's very good um did you grow up watching a lot of tv or it was yes just, yeah 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 what was your favorite mm-hmm. uh channel <laughs> uh, well it's it's hard to say because i would flip flop between cartoon network and Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon a lot. Because I was like, oh, if I want more of the crazy stuff, I watch Nickelodeon. Because back back in the olden days, it was more of, you know, I'd say like 
Hanna-Barbera-esque stuff. Yeah, yeah it kind of started as that. With Cartoon Network. Because they were still kind of, I guess, figuring out what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, so Nickelodeon kind of had the run on them for mm. really interesting shows. But then, like, they started coming out with Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Lab. And so I kind of, and especially, like, uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog and Billy and Mandy. Like, those are, like, big, big inspirations for me. Mm-hmm. But then Nickelodeon was like, hey, what do you think of this? And they showed me this square. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I love that. And they put it in the ocean. I was like, oh, I gotta gotta see more of that. You gotta see that that mm-hmm. square. Yeah, so I was obsessed with SpongeBob, like most people in my generation. And like I saw the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Oh, I lost track. Okay, yeah. It was 143 times, and that's including watching it in Spanish and Are French. Are you serious? Hold <laughs> on a second. Yes. Hold on a second. Was that an exaggeration? No, that is not. And oh uh, that's why my favorite Spanish word is cacahuate, uh, which is wow. peanut. But they used it for goober because that is what oh. goober is. Interesting. Okay. 143 times? Yes. Wow. And I also, it was really weird. The soundtrack came out before the movie did. Oh yeah, uh-huh. I mean that's uh, so, that happens. Yeah, yeah. So I would I knew all of the songs before the movie had even happened. So it was really weird hearing the part with the slapping because <laughs> out of con- it's the now that we're men song. There's mm-hmm. a part where they literally are just ham boning the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slapping themselves, and they mm-hmm. had that song in there, and I'm just like, I don't know what this is. But I love it. So yeah, out of context, it's just ham sounds. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, uh, mm-hmm. where where did you grow up? Kind of like what was your like environment growing up? Like city, small town, or just the deets? It, it's like it's like a mix. Uh, I grew up in uh, Illinois, and you know. Had a fun time there, but then, you know, fun parent divorce time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Then we moved to Michigan and kind of it slowly I became small town. It was like we were regressing and ending up in, in a small town versus like how I started, which is like closer to metropolitan type feel. Yeah, I always forget that you're also from Illinois. Mm-hmm. I like to ask the question, first of all, because it's like, I think there's something that's really interesting to to show kind of like the journey from like, because Illinois is, would you guys consider that East Coast? That's oh, Midwest. Midwest. It's Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like the size of the town, I feel is like that kind of influences the exposure you get to art and cartoons and, and, and like the discourse and animation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not, not really, as long as you have access to TV. I think regardless of where you grow up, if it's big or small, you're going to gravitate towards it, Yeah, you know? Mm. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the great. That's kind of an interesting thing about 
uh, like our generation is that we all kind of grew up with TV. And so like, even though we all grew up in different areas, I feel like there's kind of this like common bond of like TV, like cartoons and media and stuff that we all share. Like you like you mentioned SpongeBob and it's like, man, mm-hmm. what 20 something, late 20 something or 30 something doesn't have some SpongeBob quote that they constantly regurgitate, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's just like part of our shared identity. It's weird. I was just going to ask kind of like in middle school slash high school, like, did, did you take any drawing classes or how was kind of like your relationship to drawing kind of during that time? I'd say it was just like, it was a nice escape, I'd say, because mm. I didn't really care for any of the subjects. I was horrible with math. <laughs> I was moving a lot, not as much as my mom, but mm-hmm. it was definitely not a great time mm-hmm. for making friends. Like we didn't stay pull, uh, like stay put in the area until I was like in the third grade, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, I can, I guess, make friends now. And even then, yeah. it was like maybe like three friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's really hard like the mm-hmm. constant shifting around i can definitely leave a leave an imprint yeah so like the only way that i feel i could relate to anyone was by drawing because mm-hmm. uh like middle school i used to get paid to draw like people's favorite cartoons or something for cards or yeah whatever. yeah yeah you know and i made you were the art friend I, yeah, well, not the art friend, more like the art dealer. Okay, right. <laughs> the art hustler, yeah. Yeah, because then I could get all the sick pizza I wanted, yeah. you know? You're the art pimp. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then uh, I didn't I didn't know about, like, how I could just do animation until I got, it was in my middle school, they had, they had an a quote-unquote animation class, and <laughs> we animated in PowerPoint. <laughs> oh, hey, we talked about that in That's the previous so episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we yeah. talked about that with Kofi. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, especially, like, when you're in Michigan, the school system is not that great. So, of course, they're not going to fork out the money for actual animation no, programs. Of course not. So. yeah. Like ours was like a competition basically to incentivize students to actually do the work. And I'm like, if you don't want to do the work, why are you here? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I won. I got a Best Buy gift card. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Animation man. <laughs> <laughs> and I got I got a floppy disk or whatever. Was it a floppy disk? Yeah. It's Probably. a floppy. Yeah. So. It's a floppy of my animation, so I can't even look at it. But yeah. knowing that it's on there, I'm like, oh, sick. That archaic <laughs> technology. Yeah, because even then we were supposed to be using like CDs and stuff, but our school was not that great. So we didn't have great technology. So sure. we had everything that was super old. This, this is kind of off topic, but I wonder if like schools now are still like five years behind you know like when we went to school i feel like all the technology was slightly behind and so i wonder if it's still like that or if schools have been forced to like be a a little bit faster with that stuff i heard some i heard some schools have ipads for kids oh my god i know 
I heard it. I don't know how true it is. Yeah, I, maybe richer not... schools, fancy schools. I That's crazy. yeah, I just the, with the way things are, it most likely is not the case. It like yeah, it has to be a pretty rich school. I think so. Right. But uh, so what was your 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 journey from uh, high school onward? High school, I I I knew I really loved animation, but I knew. Uh, having the sibling amount of siblings I had, there was no way that my parents were going to help me afford college. So they were like, hey, you know what would be really cool? Because my parents were like, uh, it's probably great to draw as a hobby, but you can't make money off of drawing SpongeBob. Yeah. I'm like, what do you think the people who draw SpongeBob do? Do you think mm-hmm. they just get it for free? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I understood where they were coming from. Yeah, so I I went into the military, and I was in for six-plus years. Mm-hmm. And throughout that time, I was just kind of, you know, I, I got, like, depressed for, like, two years, and I didn't draw at all. Oh, no, yeah. But uh, then eventually I kind of got out of it, and I started talking to people online, like other artists, and then Dave who goes by Scrotum Nose on mm-hmm. Twitter. What a he name. started doing like these Google Hangouts. And so a lot of the industry friends I have now, even to this day, I met through his Google Hangout tweet. Uh, like I met uh, Nicole Rodriguez, aka yeah. Schnickles, who's been on here. Like yeah. I met a, a lot of my friends who I know now through there. That's great. Do you remember what year? Kind of like how, in terms of like timing, when did that happen in relationship to like you entering the military and uh, how, and and in relationship to like after when you really went full force into uh, a drawing? I was still in the military at this point. I think I was at the Air Force Academy. So it's like probably like 2014, I think. 2014, maybe 2013. Mm. Uh, yeah. And how often were you guys like kind of, what was the community like? Um, were you guys like DMing every day or like had little contests or? Uh, I mean, we would just kind of just draw, just to draw mm. mm-hmm. and just talk because especially when you're not in the industry, mm. you're, you're just kind of hanging out. Sometimes you need that community of artists to remind you yeah. what you like about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really remember that. Yeah. I feel like I feel like this is such a huge part of just having the energy and the motivation to keep pursuing it because art is such a like lonely hobby or mm-hmm. uh, endeavor that it's really easy to it's kind of easy to give up in the way that it that, like it's a it's such a lonely thing to do, <laughs> kind of. I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah. it does. Yeah, especially if you if you grow up in an area where no one really takes cartoons as to heart, I guess, as you do. Because I mean, that's most areas. Yeah. 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 But especially like in small towns, it's like people don't even think you can get into animation. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it's it feels so far away and so difficult that it's like mm-hmm. why bother? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely I think that comes up a lot. 
in the in in the little community that you you joined uh, on Google Meet, were all of you were some of you guys in the industry and some others trying to break in, or were all of nope. you guys trying to break in? Literally, all of us were not in the industry. Mm-hmm. We were all just kind of like. I mean, we were all trying to get into the industry, but that chat was not about breaking in. It was just about drawing with friends. Yeah, that's but great. that's great. Yeah, because yeah, you form that community and then you lift each other up. And mm-hmm. I know at least you know two of those people, Dave and Nicole, are are working artists now. Uh, and, like... and then Deshaun. Oh, Deshaun, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marie Lum was in there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was. There's literally a, almost everyone who is in that group is now in the industry. But that's the thing. It's not about, you know, oh, I went to CalArts and now it's a given that I'm going to get in, you know? Right. Yeah. All of us just love cartoons and that's what it was about. So, like, I think, like, that's one of the most important things. If you really want to be in the industry, you kind of learn how to it's it's like almost like a mini test of your ability to work well with others. Mm. I think that's that's a good way to put. It. I think right. that like people with equal amounts of passion tend to gravitate towards each other too. Mm-hmm. And I had that experience in college, and it sounds like this was kind of similar thing for you coming out of the Air Force because it was like you wanted that. Sounds like you wanted like a place to kind of you know be with your like peers and people who like. The same kind of things as you and it just so happens that the people who are most excited about animation all end up working in animation you know it's like mm-hmm. of course everyone's going to end up with those jobs because they really want it they like are driven to do it um, yeah i was going to ask you how did you practice drawing kind of how was your way to practice drawing and kind of what like what were you drawing at the time i was just kind of all about uh, I guess Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just especially Wind Waker. Like, oh fuck oof. yeah, yeah, that was that was my big one. That was my big happy. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, like, of course, you know, you gotta make the OCs in there. Mm-hmm. You, know? Mm-hmm. you know, but you know, just drawing things that I liked, and. That's pretty much it. Ever basically like how everyone kind of starts out, just yeah, enjoying things and then drawing them. I guess I was wondering, like in terms of um, because uh, we have like a really interesting episode I think with Kofi where he explains kind of like he's very uh, ac- academical with the way like he taught himself drawing, and I was wondering mm. if you were kind of more in the. Um, in the idea of like in the in that like classical slash academic way of like doing life drawing and then like observation ske- sketches and gesture and all that or if you're more just kind of like driven to do fan art or like just comics or like fun stuff kind of um, what's your what's your jam <laughs> oh uh well that's why kofi is an amazing artist yeah no kidding because <laughs> he's smart and <laughs> looks on actually how to do things versus me i just do them and then find out how i did them wrong later you know <laughs> like hey man me too mm-hmm. yeah but i mean it still worked that's the thing that i want to highlight too is that there's so many different paths to learn 
-hmm. and to create and to like become a professional artist and that's why I'm like asking you the question of like how did you kind of uh pursue that practice um on your own because you're basically self-taught right yeah which I think is really cool and interesting and inspiring for a lot of people out there so Mm -hmm. would you say do you kind of remember how much you would draw at the time gosh like any chance I would get I would draw because I spent so long doing things I didn't want to do that like as soon as I could draw I would do it so like even in the military because I worked the front desk of a clinic Mm -hmm. so I would just be drawing all over sticky notes and it was great hearing every single day wow why are you in the military (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and being like, oh, you should you should probably be, I don't know, like making money off of this or something. I'm like, Haha, right? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, right. so, do you feel like people telling you this was kind of helping in some sort of way, like some kind of encouragement? Or do you feel like it was just kind of like twisting the knife in the wound? <laughs> twisting the knife, because I always knew what I wanted to do since I was a wee bab. Yeah. Like there, like my my parents basically delayed the inevitable. <laughs> like <laughs> I was just like biding my time, and the the main reason I went into the military is my recruiter lied and said that there was a graphic design job, uh, which technically man. there used to be, but by the time I got in, because when you he was like, hey, the job's not open right now, but if you sign up, open general, which means you don't pick your job. It's it's not guaranteed what you have. You have to pick it after you finish boot camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as I got to go in and I was assuming that I would get to pick, I noticed it was not anywhere at all. <laughs> so... Oh. I went up to the person who was kind of supervising us and I went, sir, trainee, trainee Rocha reports, um, what happened to the graphic design job? And they're like, and then they kind of laughed and they were like, oh man, your recruiter got you good. (gasps) That job like was forced out. (laughs) Haha, pranked you. And basically it's all contract civilians now. God damn. So. I just stared at my job list based off of my test results. And I was like, what do I do? And the person's like, here, I'll help you out. Pick anything that says health or admin or anything like weather or anything in the medical field, especially can guarantee that you're going to be in an air conditioned building. So I suggest mm-hmm. going that route. <laughs> so that's good. They did, they did at least help me out a little bit, but it's still pretty st- pretty scummy so dude that sucks that's just yeah but it happens a lot and so that's why i tell my story because maybe it's not how everything goes for everyone like sometimes you might have a recruiter who like straight up tells you what's up but mine did not uh i mean i feel like more often than not from what from what i've heard in the past it's there's always some manipulation that takes place and it's like that's not cool (laughs) for like He's like, you know, how old were you when you uh, signed up? I was 17, so I had to oh, have man. my parents sign a waiver because uh, I could legally not say, hey, I want to join the military. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
that's entirely mm-hmm. my opinion but that's fucked up man it's like it's yeah that no that is messed up it's like you're so vulnerable at that time and you're like unsure of your future and for them to like mm-hmm. tell you what you want to hear just to get you in. man i don't know whatever mm-hmm. that's that's my hill and i'll and i'll die on it <laughs> that's that's a good hill yeah <laughs> How did you kind of decide to actively try to go after an industry job? Kind of how kind of what was the thought process too? Because for the longest time you were like, well, not really going to do it, right? Because you Oh no, went- I knew I was going to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. The only reason I agreed to the military is because I knew they would pay for my college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After serving, like, you have to have at least three years of serving in the military. So I was like, all right, just do your best not to get kicked out until three years. And then you can you can get out of there. But okay. also nice. my goal was to get as close to the West Coast on the military's dime as possible. So I would keep <laughs> applying for, because, I, you know, I was in the Midwest and... My parents weren't going to help me get to California. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, that's what the military's for. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was just like, all right, I'll I'll help the military out if they can help me get to California. Do you feel like that paid off? Yes. Okay. Because it at least uh, helped me save up enough money to get to California. And plus, because of my, whatchamacallit, uh, it's the post 9-11 GI Bill. And mm. it basically means if I'm a full-time student, they will pay my rent. So wow. I knew, mm-hmm, basically, when I moved to California, I it would be a little easier to convince people to give me a place to live, even if I didn't have a job. Mm. I see. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's appealing. Really smart. Yeah, and I mean, the problem was I I you know in order to find places to live in L.A., you kind of have to be there. Mm-hmm. So I I didn't have a place to live. Uh, so I was planning on sleeping out of my car in the parking lot of the college. Oh man, ferocious! <laughs> but luckily, at the like within the last week. Sandra and I moved in together with Andre because he was moving out of his apartment. Yeah. So we got to take his really bad apartment. <laughs> this is uh, Sandra Rivas, right? And Andre mm-hmm. Lamilza. Yeah. Just for context. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's crazy. I got like your your dedication is definitely applause worthy. Just like I'm gonna do this shit and I don't give a fuck how it's gonna like that's that's awesome. Yeah. I was like it was because I had I had been so miserable in the military that yeah. like especially like there it was a bad time, like being depressed for two whole years and not doing the thing that you like to do. Mm-hmm. Like it it messes you up. So, I, yep, sure does. You're just kind of trapped in that. And like, but I mean, yeah, it sounds like, sounds like it was awful, but it paid off in some way that, mm-hmm. like, you know, everyone, I guess, has to pay their dues somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, you, you did end up working. I mean, 
sounds like you love your job now. Sounds like it's yes. the the best <laughs> job ever in the world for you. Well, I mean, how like how else could you describe getting the like your your favorite animal that yeah. you get to draw all the time and the crew is super nice and they let you like they're they're so ah I, I I love working on amphibia. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna toot that horn till the cows come home. Cause toot that horn. Cause wow, like yeah, I I'm like people can be biased about like a show just for the content alone, but like it was such a health like it's I I <laughs> I talk like it's a past tense, but yeah. just because like. I think it's just because I'm not in the same place with them anymore, so it feels yeah. like past tense. Uh, but it's such a healthy work environment. Like, I would ask to, like, be in on the animatics and see kind of how they rip apart my boards and stuff and what they do to cut it down. And I even got to have some input and stuff, and it's, like, it's so cool. And I got to record Scratch, and it's, like... Not a lot of places let you kind of do that. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, I don't know. It felt like almost like training for stuff I'm going to do in the future. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, we'll I was actually later. wondering before we jump into too much uh, amphibia, <laughs> mm -hmm. what was your first gig? How did you land your first gig? Oh, okay. So military i just got out uh so i'm living with sandra and uh she at the time was working with a little little animation studio called uh studio yada oh and, yeah and it was great and but you know when you're an animator you love doing the animating but cleanup is literally the worst ever so yeah. <laughs> what we did was we uh she would because i wanted to learn animation really bad so i was like but i didn't know how right. so i was like hey sandra what if i helped you with cleanup and she was like yes <laughs> so <laughs> she would she would give me like a bit of her pay uh, from helping with cleanup so I kind of got to build up my resume through Studio Yada because they did stuff for OKKO, like mm -hmm. stuff with Double Fine, like. I mean, they did my all, short all over the place, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't get to be a part of that because no, at yeah. the time, at the time, I was testing for Ben Ten. Yeah. So it was like. Ugh. It's because I forbid them from hiring you. I said I do not mm -hmm. want Ferocia on my project. It's true. It's true. I was very I was like, hurt. She's just gonna make everything frogs, and that's not what I want. You know what? You're not wrong. Yeah, Every, everyone is frogs. It becomes Planet Frog. It becomes Planet Frog. Now that now there's a pitch. Oh, we can t we can talk about that after the episode. Listen, that's just amphibia. Come on. You're right. You're right. That is yeah, that is that is literally amphibia. And then uh, yeah, what happened from there from Yada? Uh, so then I got the test for Ben 10 through mm -hmm. Andre, who was like, hey, I'm working on this show and a spot opened up. You should, you should test for it. I was like, sick. All right. 
<laughs> so, mm-hmm. and he was like, hey, build, put a portfolio together. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And then also I forgot to say through Sandra, I got some work, uh, some storyboard work with uh, Nico. I can never say his last name. I, I'm so uh, bad with last names. Colaleo? Yeah. Yeah. And I got to help work on his uh, two loud shorts. Mm-hmm. So I got a little bit of experience there. What did you do on the two loud short, by the way? Boards or animation? Or uh, Boards. Awesome. And I got to do a little bit of cleanup animation just to help mm-hmm. out. Nice. So you kind of jumped around all these little animation mm-hmm. projects before you yeah. like got into that studio gig. Mm-hmm. And also at the time, I was also Air Force Reserves because I still had two oh. years left on my contract. So mm-hmm. I moved to LA 2015 and I had to finish. I didn't get my studio job until 2017. So all those other times I was in the Air Force during one weekend a month. And then also I was a full-time student. So I was I w- had like six classes and... Then I was also doing studio yada work. So Man, I was wow. doing all that wow. <laughs> at once. Jeez, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's inspiration. Yeah. I love that's it. The, I that's love the it. the grind. Mm-hmm. Yep. Unfortunately. <laughs> and so you were, um, after you did all these like little freelance gig, you're, you said the first job, the first gig that you landed was the Ben 10 gig? Mm-hmm. Yes. And how long did you do that one for? And... Uh, Kind of what were some highlights from it? So I was there for two years, I believe. And highlights from it were it was a board-driven comedy action show. So it's a lot to throw at a new board artist Mm because I was not revisions. I didn't start out revisions. I was straight up a board artist. So I literally... huge. Yeah, I had... (laughs) It's why I constantly for revisionists and I'm just like thank you so much for helping make my boards make sense mm-hmm. like revisionists are the true heroes mm-hmm. and they deserve just just as much recognition as board artists because sometimes they're just Definitely. completely reboarding a whole scene yeah you know? for sure but yeah uh, so my experience with that was hitting the ground running. So now I mm-hmm. <laughs> I know how to use Storyboard Pro. So that's a big takeaway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that helps. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of just learning how to pitch too, because I had never pitched before. And you have to pitch to like Man of Action, who is like kind of the spearhead creators of Ben 10 and sometimes there'd be an exec there bringing their kid or something uh, but <laughs> okay interesting yeah but you know it helped with learning how to properly pitch and sell the story that you were making especially with how rough my boards were because <laughs> <laughs> looking back I don't know how we got any animation back legibly I want to take like a moment just to say that like I love that you guys were able to send boards that are rough and still get good animation back because I my personal soapbox is boards are too clean nowadays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like if if 
like honestly if you do a lot of redos but the boards are not expected to be super clean I think that's like I I think it's less of a problem because it's like yeah I don't have to make these drawings extremely beautiful and then it's gonna come back beautiful anyway so that was just yeah. my little uh PSA <laughs> a VSA I think the reason why it's that way is because they got rid of a bunch of like jobs that would help clarify what a board artist used yeah. to do. Oh, and 100%. now it's all on board artists. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's all just uh, cost cutting. It's like you look at old SpongeBob boards and they had like a, a quarter of the amount of drawings. It was yeah. just like, you know, here's the funny drawing, fill in the rest. <laughs> like the, you didn't have to break down every single action. And they're still great. They're like very awesomely, you know, like they're very entertaining uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Everything. Everything has to be broken down into like, it's almost animation at this point. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like there's some boards that start to look like keyframes. Yeah. It's, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. I, yeah. And, and especially with a lot of, shows that I've been seeing and I don't like this trend where you're practically doing the editor's job you know oh with God, making yeah. animatics and it's like then that's just gonna is that gonna be another job that we're gonna absorb mm -hmm. which that is not fair like these mm -hmm. editors have way more experience with you know making the show feel how it is and we don't have enough time. We're already doing so much. Yeah. It's Yeah, I agree with that. Uh -huh. The board like job title has just gotten so overworked and it's frustrating because it's mm -hmm. it's burning out a lot of young artists. It's burning out a lot of older artists, really. I mean, it it's just like it's become this horrible like thing where studios just kind of churn through artists and Unfortunately, people are keep people want to work in the industry and people are mm -hmm. hungry to work in the industry. And it's it's a good industry and it's awesome to like draw for a living, but when you are stuck doing six different jobs at once, it's like it makes you feel unappreciated and yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's a whole thing. After Ben 10, what was the what was the next show you hopped on? And between these two shows, kind of how was the transition? Uh, funny you should say hopped on because Whoop. I hopped on to Amphibia. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, oh, I love this. <laughs> um, I. I don't know how to draw frogs. I don't know if you realize. <laughs> I. I. Listen, any frog is a good frog. Okay, all right? thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love this frog. That's so my doodle. Much. That's my doodle for the for this page. So <laughs> I don't recommend doing what I did <laughs> because, <laughs> like, people kind of have to gauge your humor, and this is not a thing to do. So please do not do what I did. <laughs> um, okay, but basically. It's, I feel like as long as you're nice and maybe you've had prior engagement in a creator's kind of tweets or social interactions, it's 
it's fine to be a little haha. But I kind of basically bullied Matt on Twitter. <laughs> um, because he was talking to Sam King about something. And it was something about, oh, uh, th- this is this is this thing and it's great and and Matt was like oh that's 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 cool I love this character and it's the frog character I'm like messing around with like you know being the super sarcastic like (laughs) where where you alternate the letters like mm-hmm. caps and small caps and I was like whoa you're telling me the creator of the frog show likes the frog mm-hmm. <laughs> got him <laughs> and then immediately preceding that I got a DM on Twitter being like hey do you want to test for my show <laughs> that's, that's insane you know what's funny though it's like it's exactly what happened with me which is like okay I have to bring up his name because, like, he was a big part of how I got in the industry. But, like, R.I.P. Chris Savino, like, followed me on social media. And I was, like, I mean, I say R.I.P. He's he's not. Yeah, dead. he's alive. He's alive. He's just. His career is dead. His career is dead. But at the time, I was just, like, bragging about how I got a test for We Bear Bears, which I didn't pass, by the way. And then oh. he was, like, oh why are you not on my show? And I'm like, and I, and I literally told him, well, give me a test. I got a test. Hey, you never know. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. don't be be mean, be nice and polite. But yeah, interacting with showrunners. You say bullying Ferocia, but you're, you're like alignment chart is like lawful evil. So you're like, you are, you are a bully. I feel like, but it is a kind you know, heartfelt bully who just wants you to be the best you can be. I feel like that's a good way to describe your... True, (laughs) but that is... Sometimes that does not come across on through text. Yes. Like, like, that's why I say do not do what I did because, like, unless you've had prior engagement, I think the only reason he didn't take it as, like, what the heck? Is because he probably visited my my Twitter page and my header is literally just two <laughs> red-eyed tree frogs. Yeah. And my pin tweet is dogs, frogs, and screams. He was so- like, oh. <laughs> and also you were, I see. You were already a, an industry professional at the time. So you're not like, you know, I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even then, like, you, you got to err on the side of caution because it's like, not everyone is going to take your funny ha-has as funny ha-has. Right. It could yeah. be not a good thing that you're doing, you know. Yeah. It's it's hard cuz you yeah. You want to you want to be yourself and you want to leave an impression on people, but like I think there's def- it's it's like tricky advice to give because there are people who will take it and run with it be like yell at showrunners got it and then it's like no 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 please yeah, don't do that. Yeah, that's why I'm saying don't do what I did yeah. because that's bad. <laughs> it's like it's like how you used to hear stories about how like i went to the studio and i told the asked the receptionist like where is this guy and i brought my portfolio and he looked at it and said wow you're hired and it's like don't do that like yeah. don't don't do that that was a thing like 25 years ago maybe when there was like 15 people in the industry now that's like horrible that's like so invasive and weird there's mm-hmm. yeah there's been a couple of like this is kind of like a tangent but there has been 
a couple of stories of, like of people kind of stalking the studios and yeah yeah mm -hmm. let's let's everybody not do that <laughs> yeah there would be people outside of nickelodeon sometimes like with portfolios in hand like waiting for people to walk outside and it's like that's a quick way to not get hired <laughs> that's yeah. a quick way to get blacklisted which doesn't really exist that's not a thing but still yeah it's like especially with the internet i feel like it's like you know now that there's like social media it's like you know, if you just tweet once at like someone who works in animation or you yeah. DM them once, even if it's not the best tweet or DM, it's like, all right, you know, we, we all make mistakes or whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah, you know, just like be cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just be cool. Have have some common sense. Talk to people the way you'd want to be talked to. I think that's. Yeah, that's a good safe bet because like I've definitely had my share of like reaching out to people blindly asking for work and and you know when you're desperate when you're trying to find a gig you're you'll do anything you can and you should but also just be nice and cool and don't cross any any boundaries that you wouldn't want crossed which mm -hmm. I think everyone shares those I think for the most part nobody would want some stranger like berating them you know and then expect to get a job like that wouldn't normally happen so yeah tread lightly be mm -hmm. friendly and and joke accordingly yeah <laughs> and also i'd suggest this for younger artists uh, especially like use use just a random username so you can kind of just you know create who you want to be as an artist and then you'll grow from that and you can just abandon that and create yourself as someone new that's actually very good yeah because i mean that's what i've done and honestly i think it was the best thing for me because if if i had stayed you know the same username i was when i was you know a tween mm -hmm. people would still expect me to be drawing legend of zelda stuff and it's like I love Zelda, but it's like, I also love frogs and not everyone's <laughs> going to like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's very good advice, because I do think mm -hmm. there's this it's like you make a screen name, you make a handle and that's you. That's your brand for the rest of your fucking life. And it's like not at all <laughs> like like you can you can yeah. do that in the future. Yeah, like that. But that's for the future. Like when you're younger, it's about creating the kind of artist that you want to be but you should never you're never solidified as soon as you start out you're like a, a mold of clay and you just got to figure yourself out but it's like mm -hmm. if you don't want to be stuck with who you are then you can just switch it up later yeah i did that i you know i was hyperboy on deviantart and that's how everyone knew me was for hyperboy for my flash cartoon and then like at some point around college i was like i don't want to be associated with 10 years of my like you know little kid art and so i just mm -hmm. kind of moved away from it mm -hmm. and so it's always an option and you can start from scratch more or less people will move wherever you move to you know if you make a new account you're like this is where i am now people will follow you people who matter yeah so uh so yeah you're on amphibia now mm -hmm. and uh you're very happy there. I love you. Love Amphibia. your frogs. I do. <laughs> and uh, what else do you love besides frogs? Tell me about your influences. You mentioned Zelda, Wind Waker, which I agree. Mm -hmm. 
I love Wind Waker. I'm staring at a giant statue I have <laughs> of those uh, <laughs> King of Red Lions. Yeah. Um, but what other stuff did you kind of grow up with that like really impacted you and made you want to get into art? Well, SpongeBob was the huge SpongeBob, thing for me. Yeah. Uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog is a big one. Like, it's so funny. Everyone kind of like, anytime you kind of draw like gross faces or something, everyone automatically assumes, oh, hey, you're, you're a fan of Ren and Stimpy. And I'm like, no, yeah. I, I watched it like once as a kid and I that did not register for me. Like I was, yeah. I really didn't care. But Courage the Cowardly Dog, it scared me as a kid. So I loved it. So, <laughs> and then Billy and Mandy was kind of like the merging of that weird scariness. But also mm. it was really, really funny. It was so funny. I loved it so much. So, you know, those were those were more of my inspirations. Like, gosh, I was I I just love cartoons. <laughs> so <laughs> anything that kind of grabbed my attention, I was all about it. Like I liked the Teen Titans, like that melodrama. Mm -hmm, I was like, oh, because, yeah. you know, te I'm a teenager at this point. I'm like, oh, angst. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I still love the contrast of like cartoony cuteness, and I I love cute and angst because that mixture is so funny. Well, I, you've had a, yeah. a good mm -hmm. track record for that with the show. Like Ben Ten mm -hmm. is is feels like kind of an extension of that Teen Titans, um, you know, kind of comedy action with a dash of angst thrown in. I, I mean, yes, but I... If, I know you're all about Kevin. Well, okay, here's the thing. Kevin was kind of just like a blank slate. Right. Because it's, it's a board-driven show, so there's no dialogue. You're just given an outline of what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So, honestly, all the board artists kind of came together and kind of molded Kevin into what he is now. Like, he's so... Uh, he's... He's such a fun character because he has a lot of dimension to him that we really didn't get to do a whole lot with Ben. They're kind of, I feel like Ben was kind of like their Mickey Mouse. Yeah, he is. a. They loved him very much. So they were very protective over what he could and could not do. He's a mascot. Yeah. They were pretty open to ideas, but, you know, they were still, they were way more guarded about Ben than they were about Kevin. So we got to do whatever we wanted. Like. I basically we created the fact that Kevin can't fall asleep and listen unless he listens to like an ASMR of a dad <laughs> like fixing his car and asking his son to <laughs> like That's really cute. his son to hand him tools. Yeah. <laughs> oh my That's god. Really That's really cute. Yeah, yeah, but then we also had to explain what ASMR is. So <laughs> like uh we had we had a fun time did you have to pull up some videos no 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 and it Thank it God. was great because we had to record the audio uh oh, yeah. so like <laughs> creating all these <laughs> my favorite one was our director will he he played the dad and i wrote down one of the things that i thought would be funny to say and he he was like hey son do you know how much i love you let me get out the tape measure. And then you hear the tape measure go out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it snaps back into place. Oh, tape measure is not long enough. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. 
but just hear, just hearing him it snap back into place like that's the ASMR. Oh, like. that's not long enough. That's really that's funny. So funny. Do you um what are your inspirations for writing? Because you because writing was such a huge part of uh Benton. And mm-hmm. is Amphibia board driven or script driven? It is script driven and but all of the writing is phenomenal. And also sometimes they'll let us like kind of fiddle with writing. Not anything like crazy extensive, but like if we have a funny line of dialogue or how to make how to improve like something if it's too wordy. Because right. uh, writers, they love their flourish, but sometimes <laughs> we gotta cut it down. So we kind of have to talk with the writers and see, hey, what right. what can we do to keep the context of this? And mm-hmm. it's it's important because every board artist has so many responsibilities, but it's also like you want to make sure everyone feels like they had a little piece of the pie, you know, that they oh yeah, out. Mm-hmm. like I would be. <laughs> I would be pretty hurt if I was a writer and all of my stuff was changed. Oh yeah, <laughs> because a board artist got too controlling, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I also, I mean, I've always worked on on script driven shows, so I really enjoy working with scripts. And I also really respect, you know, when you have like a really good script. Oh boy, oh boy, isn't it nice? You're like, mm-hmm. yes, I can just have fun with what I'm good at. <laughs> Literally, that has been every single script with Amphibia. But you know, who who's to say? Maybe maybe there's a bad script out there somewhere, but I haven't seen it. It hasn't come across me. <laughs> They're afraid to give it to you. They're like, we can never let her see this. Literally, the- it is impossible. It is impossible. This one bad script that's like locked away in a vault, and they're like. Ferocia would kill us all. Nah, the only way that they could like ruin anything for me is by not having frogs anymore, and that's no! literally impossible. <laughs> like that's literally impossible to do. You just wait. With season, the show. season three finale. It's they're oh, all... all the frogs are gone. That's the they're big all... secret. They're all horses. <laughs> no, I don't. No. It's a nightmare. You open the dictionary and the word is gone. Yeah. Ah! Oh, that like that would hurt me physically. I would cry. Oh no. I was wondering, like, if you because you did writing on 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 Ben Ten, like, it what is kind of like your like relationship with writing? Is it something that you've kind of like studied at all, or is it just like you just like cracking jokes, or you know, what's your I. I just like telling stories and a lot of my writing is character based. So I'm not, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty weak writer, but if it's a character moment, then boom, I'm, I'm in it to win it. Like it's, Mm. whoa, you can write. But then as soon as you look at the big picture, like I, I need help. (laughs) someone come help me i can't swim in the deep end please (laughs) i need my floaties (laughs) let's crack open some questions because we have a lot this one is uh the heart of our show Mm -hmm. from at s r c p s -S o h a i don't know how to pronounce that i'd like to know what ferocia does when she's in a rut 
And so we usually like to ask our guests about creative block, and that's a good way to uh, transition to that. What does it look like for you, too? Like, how does creative block feels like for you? And have you experienced it? Well, I'd say it's a little harder for me to really say because especially because when when you have depression too mm -hmm. it's it's really really hard and like especially because like or if you have like if you're anemic or especially with the pandemic like all the vitamins you get from the sun yep. help you <laughs> are gone because you have to stay inside mm -hmm. it makes it even worse so before in the before times, mm -hmm. I could just say, oh, well, sometimes I I revisit things that, like, got me into animation in the first place. So I'll watch, like, an old episode of Powerpuff Girls or, you know, stuff like that. Or I'd, you know, play a game and get really into it, and that would kind of inspire me. Mm -hmm. But pandemic makes it really hard. So... If, if you're struggling right now with burnout or block, know that it is perfectly okay to be burnt out right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> people are not doing so hot. There's a lot of things going on and it's very stressful. So don't think that you're not doing enough or you're, you know, you're too slow uh, for no reason, because there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a lot, and it's hard to take a break, too, because usually that's another answer. It's like sometimes you just need a break, like mentally, because especially for any kind of art, you draw from life experiences that you've had, which makes your art unique, and it makes you you. But kind of hard to have experiences when you're stuck inside for a whole year. So my my thing is, especially now, just trying to talk to friends or coworkers. And it can be about literally anything like, oh, what kind of food should I, if I'm going to order in, be like, oh, snap, I, I should get this, you know, spoil myself. Or, you know, just... Have, have like fun game nights because sometimes uh, the Amphibia crew will get together and we'll play Among Us or Jackbox and it's a fun time. But, you know, you you need to find work, what works best for you and don't beat yourself up if stuff doesn't work right away. Yeah. Is at least my tips for pandemic block. Like you still, you still got to work. You still got to draw. But... Do your best to take care of yourself because if you don't, you're going to be way worse off than you would have been if you had. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Yeah. I think taking time for yourself is is the best thing you can do right now and not put that much pressure because, oof, it's hard to maintain any kind of excitement for anything. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Uh, we had a question from at Flippy Super. How does one find a place to express themselves and be creative in shows with heavy restrictions on their content by the studio? I know some cartoons aren't allowed to do stuff because of the target audience, like the Ben 10 reboot, for example. It's a good question. Well, here's the thing. We were pretty much allowed to do 
almost anything we wanted on Ben 10. So it was more about like SMP kind of being like, hey, you can't do this because of international or yeah. hey, that's too violent. Like, but pretty much it's just you do the thing regardless and see what you can get away with. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's my point. Because odds are what's going to happen is they'll either forget or they'll pay attention to something that is so minor, but the other thing that you thought you were not going to get away with, you totally get away with. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. That is good. I, I, It is always surprising the kind of stuff that S&P gets uh, a stick in their craw about. It's just like, mm-hmm. really? It's always seatbelts. It's always seatbelts. As long as just draw all your characters without seatbelts, and they'll get so mad that you can get away with a guy getting stabbed. Nah. No, I'm kidding. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> but it, it's like they they pick the weirdest battles to fight, and it's like, all right, sure, whatever. Yeah. yeah. One of one of my favorite tricks we did in Ben 10 is we would always insert a dog somewhere, and we would put an <laughs> X for a butthole. And oh, yeah, so yeah. They're, su- they're like, we need to do something about this dog, and they're totally not paying attention to anything else. That's so funny. Yeah, you got to use those. That was something that um, filmmakers in the Soviet Union used to do because every movie had to pass through government oversight. And so they would, there was so much scrutiny that they would intentionally put stuff in that was like anti-communist or whatever stuff that they would be like, oh, no, 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 you can't have that. And then they would miss like blatant allegories, like blatant criticism of communism just because there was a more obvious one. Or just, you know, stuff that might not have uh, gone by normally. And so, like, it's a strategy, man. It works. Honestly, it's, like, something that I learned on my first gig in France because France, all of the productions are meant to go for international. Mm -hmm. So there are things that, like, we can't have the kids, like, eating pork because then it wouldn't oh. it wouldn't fly in um so no hot dogs or like ham or whatever yeah and um which you know is you you, you is understandable mm-hmm. for uh international and um but yeah there's like definitely like we're like i think what we're usually trying to do is like have the like kids doing stunts or something that's kind of mm-hmm. cool because you can't do anything cool when everything is like all safe right so so yeah you definitely will like stick something that's like whoa they're lighting up a match no way jose yeah. and then in the background there's someone doing the kickflip and that will go through <laughs> you never know yeah might as well just do it <laughs> let somebody else deal with that had a question from at dogie must uh, I first met your work through those really cool drawings of Spinel you used to do. Could you draw her, but as a frog? Oh, Just I cr- thought you'd never yeah. ask. Crank out one of those. That's more of a drawing oh, prompt. Oh, yeah, but... let's go. Uh, oh. Well, while you do that, I'll go to the next one. At S.E. Mobster, what music do you listen to while storyboarding? Oh, uh, that's a tough thing. I, I don't really listen to music unless what do you listen to? it's cleanup time. Because mm. that's kind of mindless. So if I end up singing lyrics to a song, it's not that bad because I'm not as hyper focused, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I usually listen to like podcasts or watch like YouTube videos or something. Sure. What kind of stuff do you do you listen to, or uh, like a podcast? Uh, like last podcast on the left. Uh huh. But primarily, I'd say like YouTube. 
is yeah. kind of where where you know I can throw something on and be like yeah or like a Twitch stream you know sure especially that favorite YouTube channel oh favorite YouTube channel oof that's 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 tough <laughs> creative block <laughs> oh yeah creative block yeah no. wow really oh my god that's, that's my big 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 favorite wow you know? I wanted the real answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want the fake answer. I want we need we need more subs. Like, comment, subscribe, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what's the real answer? Ring that bell. Uh <laughs> um my real answer is like a mix. It's Danny Gonzalez, Drew Gooden, Curtis Connor. I got randomly into like Minecraft stuff. Okay. Uh, so like sometimes there'll be like, like all the new, like Minecraft people, but I usually don't mention it cause it's just kind of like, it's more for younger people. So I don't really bring it up cause literally no one else would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, oh, that's, that's a cute little thing that like younger Minecraft people are doing and it's really adorable and they're like yeah. hanging out with their friends and it's just like, aw. Yeah, let's see. From at Toxic Ramen Art, I have some questions. Do you really need to move to LA in order to get a job in the animation industry since most of major studios like Disney, Cartoon Network, and Nickelodeon are in that area? <sighs> yes. <laughs> Not, I don't hate this question because of this person. I just, I hate that this even has to be a well, thing. Well, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing that, I mean, you even, know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's a thing that really irks me. Because there's a lot of unfairness in the fact that like, especially if you don't, if you didn't grow up with a lot of money, it's a lot harder to, you, you use up so much more finances just trying to live in LA. Because most of the time you're not going to get an apartment unless you have a job and you can't have a job unless you're physically in LA. So a lot of people either start out from their cars or at school or they end up on craigslist trying to get like a random roommate or if they're lucky like someone they've known online for a bit but there's so much more of a risk to that and i think unfortunately right now it's like that but i feel like that could potentially change because of everything being work from home now but i feel like there's going to be a lot of issues coming in the future uh, with the guild. Yeah. What I will say um, to kind of, because right now I'm working with Netflix and I see that they're being really good about like reaching to basically anyone. So hopefully maybe streaming studios that are like streaming services are starting their own studios. Maybe they will be the change. I feel like studios like probably Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Disney have kind of grown to be studios by having their teams on site i don't know just well maybe there's, there's a thing there's a it's a guild thing because like the guild can't cover you for benefits if mm -hmm. you're not in the county or the state or something i don't know where the line is drawn yeah. but um they're i think they're working on removing that because you know, in pandemic time, everyone bailed. Like nobody wants to be in LA if they don't have to be. And so 
Mm-hmm. I, I hope they do away with that because I feel like it's an archaic like remnant of the ye old days. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when the guild first started, I don't know when that, when they first put that into effect, but it's like, man, anybody could work anywhere. Why are we stuck here? It's mm-hmm. expensive and it's smoggy. <laughs> and like... I will say, though, if your team is like all over the planet, time zones can be kind of tricky. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a limit to how far maybe you can go. but I, I think the most important thing is can you make the meetings are you responding to your emails? Are yeah. you meeting deadlines? That's great. But for some yeah. people, it's not about getting the paycheck to draw. Other people, they're going to LA for that community. It just yeah, sucks right. that the community is all central to LA. It's not like there's many communities in random states, you know? Uh, yeah. Like there's kind of one in New York, but it's like, I feel like I had never even heard of any New York stuff ever. Yeah. It's more um advertisement based. Advertisement mm-hmm. slash underground comics slash Yeah. Yeah. There's a few studios, but yeah, it's there's definitely no guild support as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And then this person had some follow up questions that were all uh good. Yeah. When it comes to online portfolios, do we need to have a little bit of everything to show that we can do anything or just one or two areas of interest? I would say you kind of have like if you want to do everything that's great but you also have to consider what am i applying for because if you're applying Mm -hmm. for storyboards they don't care that you can do a background painting they don't care about your character turnarounds you're kind of wasting their time like because they've got a lot of people in their portfolios to dig through so you have to kind of be conscious of what am I applying for? And I need to send them a direct link to the thing that I want them to see that I want to be hired for, you know? Yeah, yeah that's really true. And yeah. It's nothing against you because I'm sure like you could probably do amazing things in all sorts of fields, but they're looking for something in particular. And the first thing they see from you is like backgrounds. They're going to be like, all right, next. I, I kind of hear that question a lot and i it's very valid but mm-hmm. i also feel like the answer is easier than a lot of people think and it's just like if you were hiring what would you want to see i was gonna say it also depends on the studio i i do agree like in american studios because they're so big and the productions are so big like they don't they want to be able to put you in a box right but if you do apply to a smaller studio there's a couple in in the u.s like probably mm-hmm. bento box or um Titmouse even maybe like if you're more of a jack of all trade like or even from what I kind of heard at Cartoon Network UK it's kind of they are a little bit interested if you can do multiple things and you can do them well because it's like oh like maybe you can help out a little bit in this other thing you know like it's a little bit more freeform uh maybe I don't know just saying like I know in France it's a little bit more like that it's a little bit more like if you can do like multiple things that's kind of cool, like you know. <laughs> yeah, I really yeah, depends, but yeah. the but but that's the thing though. Like if if they're if they're interested in your work, they'll kind of stick around in your portfolio and look at your other stuff. That's the thing. Yeah. Like if you're applying for boards, then boom, they see your boards and might be like, "Wow, I really like their stuff, but I feel like their boards aren't matching." 
But then they could see like your backgrounds and stuff and be like, oh, whoa, this totally works for our show. And you could end up getting a like background job instead. But yeah. I did, didn't that happen with Natasha Allegri where she like applied for character design or something and then ended up as a board artist or maybe it was the other way around. But I, I know that I think Penn Ward at the time was like, I think you'd be a better fit for this. Because like, yeah, like you said, like anybody that's doing the hiring, if they already like what you're doing, they'll probe deeper and they'll get a better feel for who you are and find a fit for you yeah so i think it's just make a lot of good work make sure that you're always putting out your best work and be hireable Mm -hmm. like be as hireable as possible and that yeah sounds obvious but make sure your contact information is available yeah yeah goofy 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 fellas because yeah you you goofy, you goofy peeps. You goofy peeps. <laughs> we want to hire you, but you hide your information. You got to you gotta make that stuff well known. Yeah, I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, and, and I complain about it all the time. But man, like people are like, why can't I find work? And it's like, dude, your Twitter has no pin tweet, no portfolio. All you do is retweet other people's art, and you expect me to like know what you're all about? Like... Mm-hmm. I have like 30 other artists that I'm looking through. Like I can't take the time to like fish through your media to find your art. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I mean. That's what I mean by be hireable. It's like just you have to make it easy. You have to make it as easy as possible for recruiters mm-hmm. and showrunners or whoever. Yeah. To see see your stuff and be like, got it. Okay. And, you know. And Not only out. that, but like especially if you're looking for work, sometimes people just, you know, they see your stuff and be like, oh man, that person's probably busy. I'd love to have them on my show, but doesn't look like they're available. Like, make it known that you're yeah. looking. Yeah. Like, have a pin tweet or have it be like one of the things that you, the first thing you see when they're on your Tumblr or wherever you post art, like, make it known. Because sometimes people are following you and they're just waiting to snap you up. Yep. A couple of more questions, just very uh, like tech centric. What kind of art software do you like to use? Do you use a regular tablet or a pen display tablet, which I mean, I assume is a Cintiq? And do you draw mostly digitally or traditionally? I feel like those are all kind of hand in hand. Ah, where do I begin? Okay, uh, let's see. Buckle so, up. So, mm-hmm, yeah, no, buckle up. This is like one of my big, 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 big things. <clears throat> oh so, I'm scared. For, <laughs> for art programs, there's Clip Studio, Krita, Procreate for just like drawing and doodling or if I need to get a quick character design out. Storyboarding, I do Storyboard Pro. Sometimes I animate, so I've animated in Harmony before, but like really quickly. And also Rough Animator on iPad. And I've worked in Flash. Let's see, what else, what else? For tablets, oh, iPad, I use that. Sometimes when I want to get up from my desk, um, mm-hmm. I I bought an app called Duet Display. It allows me to use my iPad as like kind of a mobile studio pro, which is like a Cintiq you can just carry with you. That's it works really as a cool. second monitor as yeah. for your computer. Mm-hmm. As long as you have good Wi-Fi, you're you're golden. But I would yeah. say it's it's a little laggier for like photoshop and drawing programs and you got to do some finagling to make it work in storyboard pro but it can work i'd say it's great for doing roughs but for cleanup (laughs) 
you might want to might want to go back to the computer for that one mm-hmm. but then i i used to have a cintiq but it crapped out on me and i am not a fan of wacom uh cuz i just feel like they have a monopoly on the you know they have they have like the art industry in the palm of their hand and it's like they refuse to let it go so now we're never going to get I... that sponsorship. Thanks, Ferocious. Oh, no. No, I'm so sorry. You can just get rid of this, but... No, no, no. We lost Adobe. We lost Adobe. We already are never going to get Adobe. Oh, no. Clip Studio's better anyway. Get him out of here. Yeah, I got to try that. <laughs> it, it opens PSDs, and now you can import PSD brush files. That's really there, so. good. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can work in vector. You can, like, there's some overseas studios that are actually using it to animate, which is crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, and they have an audio track now, so it's a lot easier to do lip sync. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and they always have sales and stuff. So, uh, just know if you want to do animation and just doodling, Clip Studio is great. If you have the standard version, I think it only lets you animate up to 24 frames. But then if you get like the expert version or whatever, it's limitless. So Right. And as for the tablet I'm currently using, it's a Huion. It's because I was just like, no, I'm I'm over it. I'm over Wacom. Cuz mm-hmm. like I I buy something so expensive it's so expensive it's so expensive and then to have it crap out on me and not only that because it's this is probably it's probably their most stable cintiq which is the 22 hd i think that's the one that they all have at studios and stuff but like the power brick and cord just crap out on me all the time and like I would be in the middle of doing my rough pitch and my Cintiq would just turn off and I'm just like Jesus so I'd have to switch over and it was a whole thing so I got so mad I was like all right third party it is let's go and how do you like it yeah I really like it I would say of course a Cintiq is gonna feel better to draw on there's no like there's no question it feels great but it's it's like if I'm spending that much and it's crapping out on me. Yeah. And not only that, but if you bought that model, they no longer support it. Like mm. they're like you can't buy a new power brick. So you have to search on Amazon or like like some other place for like a weird power brick and make sure it works. I, I tried getting multiple power bricks from Wacom themselves and it was just not working. So I spent yeah. a lot of money just trying to get my Cintiq working. And I was like, with that, I could have just bought a new tablet. So Huion, they they got some really nice, it's, it's a display tablet, but they offer a lot of other tablets too. And it's a lot cheaper than Wacom. So if you're a new, uh, newer artist who wants that experience of drawing on, you know, an actual display... I would recommend Huion and XP Pen. They're very good. Yeah. So that's that's my little take. Of course, they're still going to be expensive tablets, but these are going to be way cheaper than anything Wacom offers. 
It's a good place to start. Yeah. You don't need the fanciest thing when you're starting out, yeah. de- like for sure. Yeah. And even then, the fanciest things crap out on you. So it's like, yeah, what's the yeah. Point? I kind of like, I got a Cintiq at home finally after many years of just having one at work. And I'm glad because the pandemic hit. But mm-hmm. I kind of flip flop because, like, I get burnt out on sitting in front of the Cintiq. And so sometimes I'll just like break out my tablet and, and draw with a tablet. I kind of like mm-hmm. not having a my hand in the screen. Like, there's something nice about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, at Kate Snod asked, yeah. "What's your favorite? Yeah, what's your favorite piece mm-hmm. of art drawing advice you've heard? And why are you so heckin' awesome?" Well, I'm only awesome because of all of the great people I have met in my career, including Kate Snod. Yes. Man. Shout out. Great. She's she was a PA on Ben 10 and she told me she wanted to be a board artist and I told her she should do it and she's doing it. Yeah, she's, she's working great. with me now. She's mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's awesome. Shout out Katrin. Yeah. Katrin rules. <laughs> but my I would say hang on. Let me let me go over here really quick. Uh I literally just had a thing that I watched today where some guy who created a frog show, he was in some kind of meeting. I don't know. I think I've heard of him before. Uh, I've seen him on Twitter a couple times. Matt Brober? Brawly. Like the Dragon Ball a, character. He created Amphib- Amphiboland. Amphibia. Oh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> my my boss from Amphibia had a really good tip. This is specifically just for like uh storyboarding, but he said that animatics don't lie. And I thought that was very very like insightful because you can be a great pitcher for a board. Like you pitch a board, everyone loves it and they laugh and they love your delivery. As soon as it goes into animatic, if that story isn't playing well without your pitching, then it needs it needs help. It, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What are some of your goals going forward with your career and just kind of in general? So I'm kind of just playing it by ear. I I just want to work in cartoons as long as I can. I love boarding, but it would be nice to direct something because I like helping improve things. I mean, writing would be cool. I kind of just want to be all over the place, but I feel like I don't want to be a showrunner, at least mm-hmm. currently. But yeah. I like you kind of have to have that thing that you're willing to fight for because there's going to be so much pushback, even if it gets greenlit, you know? Like, you have to be willing to fight for things that you want, like if if you want certain representation or, you know, like anything like that, any kind of thing that doesn't fit their mold, then you got you got to fight for it. Yeah. You got to be like, I'm out of here if we don't do this. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I feel like also before uh, I used to think, if I can't draw, I had a good run, put me down like old yeller kind <laughs> of just, deal. Just shoot you. Yeah, yeah. I was very much, I am nothing without being able to draw. But 
after being in the industry, my experiences, good and bad, kind of taught me your experiences have value. Mm-hmm. So if I could, I would love to be like an exec who's like fighting for artists yeah. and advocating to keep their vision kind of how they want it. And just I mean, kind of, I don't know, giving artists help and productions help because they have to go through so much and it's hard enough trying to create a show and meet deadlines, but trying to fit the mold of what the execs think aren't great is yeah not great. And plus, it's really it's really sad to hear if an exec isn't about animation. They're just kind of there just because. I the worst. When... Like our our exec Doug, he's great. He's the one who loves Smash. Smash, so he's very supportive, and I'm very thankful. Like he kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, execs can be passionate about cartoons, which is really sad. Yeah, right. It's like, it's like a come on, it's <laughs> this is cartoons. Why wouldn't you be excited to be here? Yeah, yeah, just that's their like career they fell into or something. Yeah, I don't I, like it either. Sad. Yeah, but when you get execs who are excited about what you're doing, it it really kind of takes a little weight off, you know, the show creator's shoulders and that they know that they're willing to work with them. Like I I'm, I'm sure there's still like conflicts about things, but oh, for yeah. the most part, it like the the notes and stuff that you'll hear from some execs will like if if you hear something where it's like oh I love this and they're getting invested in the story and mm-hmm. stuff like that it's like oh that that like warms my heart like <laughs> yeah I do hope more artists kind of tr- move to the executive side it it happens very rarely but I think it's always appreciated by the networks and mm-hmm. you know it's it's like there's an insight there that a lot of execs don't have which is that of the inside of the creative process and stuff and so like it's very valuable it's just like it's you need to be like so good with like business and like talking i don't know you know like it's tough every day i'm like still learning how to properly express my ideas in the in meetings in the way Mm -hmm. that is still like uh, that is mindful of everyone, n- not of them, uh, not just of everyone in the meeting as persons, but also as yeah. mindful of their each of and everyone their role and like mm-hmm. like you know the limits of like how much you can say and you know like all of this mm-hmm. like where what your role is in mm-hmm. a, a team and like all of that is just like it's really hard to do. It's hard. So. It's a lot but, to juggle. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's kind of like learning to delegate and trust the team. That's the thing. I trust artists, so I feel like it wouldn't be that hard for me. Like, yeah, it's like you got to you got to learn at a certain point that like you got to let other people create the thing and you're there to help make the thing happen. It's it's not about like, oh, I have to be in control of this and this it's like you're their liaison to the big boys like yeah. that they never see mm-hmm. you pass down like stuff that they're saying but it's like if if a show creator is like very passionate about a certain thing and 
the big boys above you are being like, hey, we don't want this. Your job as kind of that mediator exec is to be like, well, they really need this. This is like the main crux of the show. So it's kind of important this day. And like, you got to learn to like fight for the artist too, which is why it's like, if you don't have execs that are passionate about it, they're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I think that a good producer, a good exec is somebody that helps the creative side be as effective as possible, but doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get in the way. And and, you know, egos get in the way and job titles and all kinds of things. And like, so it muddies up that whole process. But there's there's lots of execs that I've that I that I know that are awesome. And they do exactly mm -hmm. that. They they just help the artists fulfill their vision and they don't they don't try to make it their own project. They don't try to change it. It's just like, I get what you're doing here. Let me teach you how to make this appealing to the network or whoever, you know. Mm hmm yeah that's super valuable so i think that like if anybody ever wants to i think i think i i hope more artists make that jump mm -hmm. if you know i think it'd be really helpful to the industry at large yeah and let's do one last question from mm -hmm. at kita draws will ferocia live forever and rule us all <laughs> again this is like kind of back to the exec thing you know right i'm i'm not i'm not gonna be there to be in charge of you. I'm just I'm just going to be watching. Oh <laughs> my god. Ferocia for president 2024. Uh, no, I don't want to Ferocia be for president 2024. No. Vice president's frog. Mm, Alright, all right, now, now we're talking. Alright, well, that's the oh, end of this creative block. Thanks to Ferocia for being our guest and sharing her story. Oh, thank you for having me here. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Creative Block, where uh, that's creative without the vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to us for guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clements for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Jean. And I was V. Keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.